Stay a while. Kick back, relax, you freaks. They're playing all the tricks and taking all of the treats. Grab a whiskey and hang on tight. Smoke that bong with all your might. They write books, but that ain't all. One short and smooth, and one is hairy and tall. There's vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. They argue about everything and then drive each other so insane Vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne It's vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne Best buds talking book of the week And all the horror stuff that they think is neat Hanging loose through in ridiculous reads Not cause we deserve it cause it's what we need Vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. They argue about everything and drive each other so insane. Vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. It's vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. Welcome to Vital Social Issues and Stuff with Chris and John Wayne. I am John Wayne. With me, as always, is Christopher Adriana. Chris, what's up? What is up, my man? How's Not it going? Much, man. Excellent, excellent. You're looking well. Jack Burton, the shirt is on you. Um, I, do. I have my, my Big Trouble China tee on because it is hot, hot, hot. And so and I'm uh, going sleeveless, doing it John Wayne style. Hell yeah, dude. And that is hot. Hot, hot. And speaking of hot, oh, the summer of slashers rolls on. Um, and with uh, yet another wonderfully uh, amazing special guest that we promised to bring you, uh, just jam packed with guests all summer and 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 slashing. And this week is no exception, my friends. We have uh, mm-hmm. a, a, a horror author, splatterpunk nominee, spear fisherman, uh, <laughs> you know. So mini sub find this guy could find a mini sub in a in a giant sub factory like that. Uh, he is uh, uh, wrote one of the uh, the splatter western series that that is coming out, and we'll talk about that. And he's also a bad motherfucker. While the young is here, hello, sir. How are y'all guys doing? <clears throat> it's good. good I man. try to make these introductions as long and awkward for everyone as possible. Yes, yes. including ourselves. Yes, it's including that, including jokes that were made off camera that that our audience will have no idea what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah but it's funny it. us. That's okay. I'm really glad that they all can recognize now that I can in fact find a mini sub, not not a regular submarine, but a mini one. I'm there. I'm your guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's your guy. That's why we. That's why we have you on the show. Is you know we figure, you know, 
for all of your all of our calls that we get about mini subs. You're yeah, we're doing the questions. hunt for Red October this week, right? And you're the, with like a shorter but version, with an, but with an all little person cast. <laughs> so <laughs> think of the hunt of the hunt for the Red October as just a slasher movie, but with torpedoes. <laughs> oh Good. man, that so sounds like Russian sounds like bath time. Going around, you know, killing all those virgin mini subs. Yeah. <laughs> So, so what's going on, man? It's good to see you. It's good to have you on the show. We appreciate you joining us. Uh, you know, what's, what's up, dude? Oh, just the, just the usual Father's Day. So just got off the lake, uh, took my dad fishing. And that's what we, that's kind of our traditional activity. And it was just good to get away from it, get out in the, get out in the woods, get out in the swamp. And cause it always reinvigorates the riding energy, which is good since I have like seven things I'm working on and, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, being behind on all of them, but working as fast as I can on all of them at the same time. So it's always good to get that reinvigoration definitely. going. Yeah, yeah de- definitely. Yeah. And you were saying you saw some, some creepy stuff out there uh, while you were fishing and that always gets the imagination going. Yeah. Yeah. So we, uh, my map of the lake I have uh, that the Corps of Engineers drew up. Uh, the, so there's 28 name drops. <laughs> there's 28,000 acres on this lake and you know I've seen some creepy stuff out there but this time we kind of went further off the map than I intended because I was trying to circumnavigate this back way around that will put us back in the main river and we found this bridge in the middle of nowhere that I'm pretty sure like was overgrown on the top and I told my dad I was like we need to go over and explore, but I'm kind of afraid there'd be a house with some hillbilly who wears faces at the end of that no. road. <laughs> and so we kept going and then we came up on a more civilized area, but still kind of out in the, out in the woods as it were. And we looked up and there was a guy had a mini miniature submarine for like one person on a trailer in his yard. <laughs> and it's going to be like a Bigfoot sighting because my wife was like, you saw a submarine. I'm like, I know what I saw, man. It was there. It's real. <laughs> yeah, let, it's let, like let, if when you get it's like when you get abducted by a UFO and you're like, no, I'm serious. And they're like, yeah, sure you did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I actually brought that up to my dad yesterday that fishing, like, you know, for fish, it's like being abducted by aliens. They, they're ripped up into their version of the sky, and they're like, "We do." They did weird experiments on me and threw me back. <laughs> That's true. That's a good, like, from the fish's point of view. Yeah, it is yeah. like a, an, an abduction. Wow! I had to is... go for a tasty Big Mac, and all of a sudden, I was up there getting probed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then we throw them back. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I do want to let the record show that I believed you immediately about the mini sub i was like all on board about it just so you know if you yeah, did, i didn't need a picture show. i just trusted you yes <laughs> uh, i appreciate that both of y'all but that's the thing about horror writers you know we we you know chris texted me and said hey i saw a black bear in my yard i immediately believe him i don't know if he saw one or not but I, mm-hmm. obviously he probably could have and he probably could have said hey i saw some you know aliens down by the dumpster and hey i believe that too it's just the wow, rest that's, of the uh, that's people a, that don't that's see reach. it. <laughs> well, you I, have bears in your yard, though, dude. I do, I do, and I do live up north, and um, mm-hmm. and yeah, I'm actually in the bear capital of the state, and I I have black bears all the time. So I have video proof. I have evidence. Uh, but the whole alien thing 
down by by the dumpster. I mean, I thought we had a trust when we talked about that, Wiley, yeah. but but uh, you had to expose it. <laughs> hey, at, at least your uh, bear pictures, you know, are clear. That submarine picture I took, it's like a blurry photo, you know. <laughs> right, you right. See, look, look right there. It's behind the trees. There's a lens I, flare I, on it. Like, just yeah. like oh, you just got to see. It's obscuring. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, you used that uh, that Kodak from 1985 rather than using your phone. Yeah. Right. It was the last. It was the last picture on that disposable camera from that wedding ten years ago. It makes sense. I mean, you want to you want to use it up. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it makes sense. It was just sitting in my closet doing nothing. Yeah. You know what? I think I'll take this with me, honey. <laughs> my wife well, didn't believe me. No. Well, uh, yeah, because you're you're in Texas, uh, uh, much like uh, John Wayne. Yep. So you're a Texas boy. Yep. Born and raised. And, yeah. And then, you know, went to college in Oklahoma, and uh, I've been uh, stuck stuck there for a bit, but I'm making my way back slowly. <laughs> making my way back to you, babe. Hell yeah. More, uh, yeah, I was thinking more of, uh, you know, making my way back to Texas, making my way downtown, walking fast. <laughs> Yeah. So, Chris, what are you doing? Uh, <laughs> no, I knew what it was. It just, I was going to go Amarillo by morning, maybe, but, you know, if we're good. Anyway, Chris, you said something about a Subway sandwich you were talking about that you got a punch card or something? <laughs> well, I, well, when you first mentioned mini sub, I got kind of excited. You think we're going to have sandwiches, but no sandwiches. Uh, but that's okay, uh, because we're very delighted to, to have uh, Wiley Young here, particularly because we're going to talk about uh, one of his books. And that brings us into our first segment, which is Book of the Week. Book. Book. Book of the Week. So, yes, we're talking Book of the Week. Uh, and this is a very special one. Uh, this is uh, Wiley Young's The Magpie Coffin. And this was the uh, very first of the Death's Head Press popular Splatter Western uh, series. This was the first one. Uh, and I'm going to uh, read you a little bit uh, on the, uh, I'm going to read you a little bit about it, you know, tell you the, the synopsis, and then uh, Wiley's going to tell us a little more. Uh, this is a, a, this was a really cool book. It was a lot of fun for me. Um, I could very much picture this as like a, a young Charles Bronson movie. Uh, you know, I think that would be like a, a perfect uh, casting uh, for uh, Salem, the lead character. Uh, so anyway, let me read the back to you uh, real fast here. The year is 1875 and outlaw Salem Covington has spent the last 20 years collecting, <clears throat> excuse me, collecting stories, possessions, and lives. Nicknamed the Black Magpie for his exploits during the war, Salem has carved a bloody trail across Western, the Western territories. Informed that his mentor, Comanche shaman Dead Bear, has been murdered, he vows vengeance on the perpetrators. Enlisting the help of an army scout and preserving the body of his mentor in a specially made coffin, Salem sets out in pursuit. But the choices of Salem's past that earned him the moniker Black Magpie are riding hard behind him, and the only weapon that can kill him might not be as far away as he thinks. The Magpie Coffin is an unrelenting tale of revenge with precise brutality and extreme violence. Uh, and so that is uh, The Magpie Coffin by Wiley Young. It's available now from Death's Head Press. Uh, it 
again, it is the it was the first book in the Splatter Western series, which welcomed in a lot of authors, uh, including myself, uh, to to write these these horror novels placed in the Wild West, which is a, a cross genre that I've always really loved. Uh, and now, uh, Wiley Young is nominated for the Splatterpunk Award for best novel uh, for the Magpie Coffin. So. Congrats, man. Congrats, Wiley, on that. Fuck yeah, dude. Congratulations. I, it, it, it came as quite a shock because, you know, I did not expect this book to do as well as it has. I was like, this is a quick, you know, thing that's going to pay my electric bill this month. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. You never know which which one is going to suddenly take off, you know. Um, you know, you, you write and put out several books and then all of a sudden one of them is the one that everyone latches on to. You know, and that's that definitely seems to be the case with Magpie Coffee. People love this book. I loved this book. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, and I'm very happy that I have it like signed and everything by the man himself. You know, uh, I thought it was great. I had a real blast with it. And, um, you know, with uh, with my Western, the 13th Coyote that came out with them later, I actually owe a debt to you, sir, because um, I was already writing a Western uh, at the time that. Uh, Deaths had started to do these, and you were the one that told me, uh, you know, because I was like, oh, man, Magpie Coffee came out. That's awesome. It's so cool you did a uh, horror Western. And you were the one that told me that they were doing this as a series. And I was like, that's funny. I'm actually already writing one, you know. Uh, so my book came out as one of one of them as well. And now John Wayne is writing one as well. Uh, yep. So, yeah, so it was just, just like this wonderful thing. So tell me, uh, Wiley, like, how did this story come to mind with you with the Magpie Coffin? So, you know, I my dad, uh, he and I watched a lot of westerns growing up. Lonesome mm-hmm. Dove was on repeat at our house quite a bit. Love but, that. One. Uh, but it was the uh, Clint Eastwood westerns that really, really got me. So I was like, when I, when I sat down to write, I had no no idea what to do. But I was like, okay, let's take that man with no name character and instead of making him a cool anti-hero let's just make him an utter bastard yeah yeah <laughs> who's just, who is literally there to you know he, he's he's a bad guy he makes no illusions about it he knows that yeah you know, there's not a he's not looking for redemption he's not looking for apologies he's not trying to apologize and that and just kind of put that into a character and for some reason, I don't know how. I've seen some people like, man, he's like a cool anti-hero. I'm like, no, no, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> he's not someone you want to be. Right, right. And um, it's almost like a Walter White thing with Breaking Bad, where you're like, some people say, oh, he's the anti. I'm like, well, no, like you're you're not really supposed to be rooting for. At least at at a certain point, you get to a point, and it's like this is he is the bad guy. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so. I kind of, but I did try to give him more depth than just you know I'm evil for evil's sake. I'm gonna rape the town girls and I'm gonna yeah. you know, rob the bank and just do whatever. Uh, less of a hedonism and more of an almost like an animal savagery. I tried to reduce him as like he's almost not even human in his mentality. It's yeah. almost like it's just like operates completely on instinct and he's just as likely to kill you for your story as he is to pay you a coin to hear it. Yeah. How he feels. Yeah. He, he, he feels, he feels almost um, demonic in that way. You know, he, he's like a man, but he feels like 
almost separate from humanity. That's and see, I'm glad you said it because that's exactly what I was trying to go for. Is that he just has this kind of aura about him that mm-hmm. is different. You know, he wants something, but you just don't know exactly what that is. Yeah, yeah. No, it definitely comes across. Um, yeah. Uh, so <clears throat> you have been I, I don't know if you wanted to announce it yet but have you been working on uh, a, a continuation of the story because this has oh. been such a popular book for you oh yeah I, uh, I announced it a few months ago uh, I was I've been working on for a few souls more for a bit the uh, which is the sequel that's the title mm-hmm. so for a few souls more and in it my my beta reader uh, is actually kind of a sad story but my beta reader actually died two weeks ago oh to, oh she was I'm a very sorry. close friend, and yeah. now I'm. Uh, my dad's been reading it at the same time, and just like Magpie, he's called me. He was like, "I want to make sure you're right with the Lord." <laughs> Is your dad Hank Hill? Like, what was? That? Yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> I mess with him all the time like that because that that's wow. about our relationship, you know. Uh, like we have a we have a real strong bond, but like I our interests he's hank hill and i'm bobby hill too uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey well yeah I had, a, I had a question did you know that your book was going to be the first one going in or did they like just say like hey you're the first one and then like how did that make you feel like to be the first splatter western coming out in this series i didn't know it was going to be the first until they uh so originally the run was just supposed to have eight novellas and so I know at the time they had mine, Chris Miller's, Mike Ennenbach's done, and Christine's was almost done. And they just they said that mine was just first out of the gate. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I, I really hope, I really wish y'all uh, financial success since this is going to bomb. <laughs> but, so, so you did, you were, so you were like, uh, worried about it being the first one just like uh yeah i was i was very worried about being the first one i was just like you know here here we go but you know it turned out turned out good you should set the tone it did so yeah and and when we got up to you know it just keeps gaining steam as it goes along because you know christine's was great kinsey's chris's all of the, all of those have been, you know, just incredibly strong entries that I've enjoyed reading, and I'm, I'm really excited to read uh, Chandler's. Have y'all seen that uh, cover for it? Yes, I am excited to see what what he uh, works up as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I heard, I saw his reading of that he did from it uh, on like Mother Horrors the birthday thing. It, it's still up on our the the Nightworms YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. It's pretty funny. It's, it's gonna yeah. be it's gonna be pretty awesome. It's super meta. It's like that, you know, gritty Brady Stanellis type of feel that he, you know, channels so well. Um, it's gonna be good, I think. Really yeah. good. But yeah, I've been working on four few souls more, and it's it's going pretty well so far. It's I've had to streamline some stuff, but my dad called me. He was like, "Hey, I." Salem's the bad guy. I was like, yes. Finally <laughs> noticing. Yeah, hey, I did can't. you know Salem was the bad guy in this? Yeah. Well, yeah. one of the things that I tried, I tried to make give him almost an addict feel for the gun. He's an addict for murder. Oh, so totally, yeah. No, totally, yeah. 
And so in For a Few Souls More at one point, he kind of like gives himself over to it and goes on this rampage on this riverboat. And like by the end of it, there's like 10 people left and they're all just kind of sitting there shell-shocked. And he's killed like women, children, animals, everything. Mm-hmm. Gotten his way to kill the kill these people that were on the on the boat. Nice, because he because <laughs> he got so frustrated. Because the villains of For a Few Souls More are uh, they call themselves Salem's orphans because they're all people who've lost someone to him. Oh shit! Yeah. Okay. So you've got almost a, like the, you're saying they're the villains, but it's almost like a, a team out for revenge. Yeah. Exactly. They, yeah. And there's a one of them. One of the main ones is a returning character from the first book, but I'm not. I'm gonna let everybody find out who that is. Nice. Yeah, I look forward to it, man. Uh, do, is there a release date set for it? We don't have a release date set for it. I'm almost on like this close, done to finishing the first draft, and I've got to tighten some stuff up. I'm hoping that by KillerCon we'll be able to release, put, give out a release date for it. Okay. Very cool. I'm sure everyone will be looking forward to that because uh, it has done really well for you and it's it's a really fun book it's a really great ride one of the best of the uh splatter westerns for sure i appreciate it man i really really do it's high praise indeed yeah no it's great um and i donate to salem's orphans every christmas so <laughs> for the for the write-off at he least. does i he do does. i give i do donate so well, we, we had that song that we did, you know, like Salem's orphans give a little money or like, yeah, it was, you it, know, yeah, it was something like, like that. Our, we were trying to throw, we got in an argument about it being like, oh, come all ye Salem orphans. Like we were trying to do maybe a Christmas yeah. one. And then, then we were like, okay, let's make it metal. But then we were both coming at it from different ways. And then we got, when and we then, got to the solo. It, it, that's when we, the wheels came off. We couldn't agree. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, and then it became a shelf. Well, it became a rap, but then we shelled it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, but anyway, but, but we were in agreement for the rap part. That was like, that was where yeah. you really gelled. Yeah. Yeah. This, wow. It's on, this, it's on the shelf. Wow. This, this, this anyway. joke has gone on way too long. Um, it's, it's, anyway, <laughs> I'm just as guilty as you. I'm not blaming you. Uh, all right. Well, now that we've done our book of the week, I think it's time to get to uh, our next segment. Uh, oh, yeah. Everybody's, everybody's favorite, baby. This is Ridiculous Reads. You guys, have gr- you guys have great arm motions. All I have was like jazz hands. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know what? That's all you need. Jazz hands and the truth. That's yeah. all you need. Well, I mean, hey... The, the- these these arm motions didn't just come naturally. This is like you know we've we've had like so many staff meetings oh, about this for the rehearsal show. after <laughs> rehearsal. <laughs> we've fired four dance coordinators. Oh God, Paula Abdul, out of here! Yeah, she like, refuses to work with us now. <laughs> and I say her loss. Anyway, ridiculous reads. Oh, it's 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 funny and true. Yeah. Okay, That's- ridiculous reads. Uh, this week, I, th- I have something uh, something special uh, because it is a novelization in a way, uh, but it's also something that I talked about a while back on our Halloween episode uh, or our month of Halloween episodes. Right. Uh, this is a, a little book that I've had for a very long time, and it's called The Blob. 
Oh, that's one of those uh, those hardcover Shut series. Up. That's awesome. Shut up. Why don't you just let me say it? <laughs> I, I was just re- saying, rec- I recognize what it's from. I, I don't know what it's called. <laughs> no, you are correct, sir. It is uh, It is uh, one of the, the hardbacks of library books, the um, Crestwood Horror series uh, that I did talk about when uh, we did our Halloween show. Yeah, we both talked about them, checking them out from the library and stuff. Right, right. Game, so yeah, yeah. Um, and th- this one actually still has like the, the the fucking library code on it. <laughs> you can see. Nice, dude. That's a federal <laughs> offense, and I love it. No, no, no. It was purchased. No, 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 no. It's uh, it's an offense. It's going down. Well, you saw a while back there. It counts. <laughs> no, but you look at you look at like the last like dates on there, and they're like from like '94 and stuff. You know, like uh, when it was last checked out. No, it was purchased. You know, at a library sale. But uh, yeah, this is from the Crestwood Monster series, and this series was kind of like novelizations of old horror movies, but for kids. Uh, so, you know, it has, you know, like photos I'm holding up here. It has photos like from the movie, and the, but then you'll see it has the text. So it does actually tell the story in novel form uh, of what happens in the movie. And this, of course, is from uh, the original The Blob with Steve McQueen. And I'm going to be reading a little segment here uh, from the chapter called The Blob at Large. I like what they did there. <laughs> yeah, I do too. Uh, so in this scene, um, basically, uh, Steve and his, uh, and his girlfriend, um, they have already seen like the blob fall to the earth. And, you know, it's attacked this old man. Uh, and so they're freaking out. And they're like, let's go to Dr. Holland's uh, place. He might know what to do. But little do they know, Dr. Holland is dealing with the blob as well. So I'm going to be reading from this fabulous scene. Dr. Holland's nurse arrived at his home. I'm afraid we'll have to operate, Kate, the doctor said. But don't touch that thing on his arm. It seems to be feeding on his flesh. Kate nodded grimly. She went to the examining room, but no one was there. Doctor, where is the patient? Kate called. And then she screamed. Slithering over the floor was a slimy mass. It was the blob. Alive. And coming after her. And I'm saying this because those are periods every time. Because this is for kids after all. It was the blob. Alive. And coming after her. Stand still, Kate, Dr. Holland shouted. Get that acid from the cabinet behind you. (laughs) Because <laughs> what doctor doesn't have a beaker of, yeah, of acid? Because you got to get fucked up too, right? <laughs> oh, different acid. Gotcha. Oh no, no, yeah, it's not that kind of acid. No, it's uh, it's the the Frank Grimes kind of acid. So quick, let the blob see things it never imagined. <laughs> right, just quick. Let the let the blob totally you know, trip out. Yeah. Uh, throw it at the throw it at the thing. Kate splashed acid on the blob but it was not harmed. I'll get my gun, said Hallen, because again, this is a doctor's office, so right next to the hydrochloric acid, you have your, your 45, you know. Um, don't he, leave me. What? I was saying he doctored in a bad part of town, okay? I guess so, I guess so. Yeah. Everything was clearly labeled. Acid, gun. This, this doctor must have gone to the same college as Dr. Dre, I guess. Yeah, bad, bad part of town. 
Um, Don't leave me here with it, Kate pleaded. But the doctor was gone. Come back, she cried. The blob came closer. Kate screamed and screamed. When Dr. Holland returned, Kate had vanished. He saw only the blob. He fired at the thing, but bullets didn't hurt it. Nothing seemed to hurt it. Dr. Holland turned red, uh, turned and fled. At that moment, Steve's car pulled up outside. You stay here, he told Jane. I'll tell Doc what we found. He went up to the house. It seemed that no one was home. That's funny, Steve said. I wonder... From inside the house came the sound of terrible screams. The blinds at the window rattled. Hands were pulling at the blinds, trying to open the window. And then the hands disappeared. The screaming stopped. Steve! Steve! called Jane from the car. What's happening? Steve looked in the window. His eyes widened with shock and horror. He turned and ran to the car. What is it? Jane asked. Steve whispered. It's got Doc Holland. The thing, just like the blob on the old man's hand, only bigger. It pulled him down, and then it was on his head. And in just a second or two, he disappeared. What? cried Jane. Disappeared? Doc disappeared. The blob seemed to absorb him. What are we going to do? Jane asked. Steve Scooby got to... and Shaggy back there, too? Oh, ghost! Hey, you know, like, I'm giving a dramatic reading. You know, I that's know, act- but it, that's, that's what it made me... Yeah, that is acting. Steve, it's the blob. <laughs> Chimney chillickers. <laughs> Off Steve and at the them. It really is. Doc Holland. <laughs> uh, Steve got into the car. There's only one thing we can do. Go to the police. But when Steve and Jane got to the police station, they could not get the officers to believe them. You know, just like when you find a mini sub and like, you know, like no one's going to believe that bullshit. You know, it was there, man. <laughs> this guy, dude. I believe it. I believe it. A monster scoffed Sergeant Burt. Oh, come on. It's true. Steve said this blobby thing was all over Doc Holland and it killed him. You kids, said the sergeant. First, it's drag racing all over town, and now man-eating goo. We're telling the truth, Steve protested. Lieutenant Dave Barton said, we're going to have to check this out. If this is a gag, you kids won't do much laughing, Bert said to Steve. And there's a picture of Bert and uh, Dave. Uh, so just wanted to make sure you guys get the picture. <laughs> the two policemen Steve and Jane drove to Dr. Holland's house. The place seemed deserted. It might still be inside, Steve warned. Be careful. Don't you worry about us, kid, said Sergeant Burt, laughing. He knocked. When there was no answer, he went inside. Steve and Jane followed the police. They came into the examining room and found only broken glass. The door to Dr. Holland's den, where he kept his gun, was locked. He was in there when I saw the blob get him, Steve said. Sergeant Burt went outside and entered the den through the window. He unlocked the door and the others came in. Just look at this mess, said Burt. But no mysterious blob. Must have gotten away, said Steve. The sergeant glared at the boy. Oh, yeah? Let me tell you what happened here tonight. You broke in here. You messed up the place. Then you rigged the door so it would lock and came to feed us your story. This whole stunt was a put-up job. 
just to make us look silly. Well, it's not funny. I, I love this, though. Like he says, you're trying to make me look silly. <laughs> Grown man. <laughs> All right. Just then a woman came into Dr. Helen's house. It was Mrs. Porter, the doctor's housekeeper. What's going on here? She exclaimed. Oh, my. Just wait till the doctor gets back and sees this. Back, said Dave Barton. Back from where? Uh, he went to a convention, said Mrs. Porter. He told me to keep an eye on the place. But that's not true, Steve protested. He was here this evening. He brought in an old man with a blob on his hand, and Doc said he'd take care of him. An old man, huh? snarled Sergeant Burt. Where is he then? The, the blob must have gotten him, too, said Steve. Dave Barton found the doctor's gun on the floor. Several bullets had been fired from it, but there were no bullet holes to be found. This is serious business, Sergeant Burt said. We'll check this for prints. Well, you won't find mine, Steve insisted. We'll see about that down at the station, said Bert. You kids are under arrest. And I'm going to stop there, leave you on the cliffhanger to see what happens in the blob. <laughs> you Isn't kids like are under. Dun, dun, dun. Isn't that like a natural progression for teenagers? <laughs> you kids street racing and telling us about blobs eating people. <laughs> right? I mean, it's all it's all part of growing up. <laughs> it was the acid. They were doing the acid, too. They threw that in there. That fucked them up. That fucked them over. Where there's a blob and, like, Vin Diesel pops out one quarter mile at a time. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly right. All right. Well, that was good, dude. Very good. Yeah, I, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed this one because, um, you know, I was thinking, I was like, why haven't I done these yet? You know, because I have a couple of these. And it's fun because it's a novelization, but it's written for children. So it's extra silly in that way. Um, so, yeah, hope you all enjoyed The Blob from the Crestwood series. Uh, this particular one was written by Ian Thorne. Rest his soul. Uh, I don't know if he's dead or not. <laughs> that was a thing we used to do on the show. <laughs> the whole rest in power. I, they are. Well, that, that Ian Thorne. Oh, yeah, he's, he's, he did, he's gone. We lost him this year. Yeah, yeah. Rest in power, Ethan Very Thorne. Yeah. All right. Uh, now, that, now that we've gotten through the blob, uh, let's get into our 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 main segment. Uh, as John Wayne mentioned at the top of the show, the summer summer of slashers uh, continues, and mm. for every for every Michael Myers, uh, for every Friday Thirteenth, there is a graduation day or a Madman Mars, and so we are getting into the uh the slasher world and getting nice and deep and dirty uh and we're going uh noodling uh in the slasher world some might say uh and that brings us to our summer of slashers Turn that down. <laughs> uh, very good. Very good. Um, Wiley, aren't you glad you've come on a show this professional? Uh, 100%. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right. Uh, so. Uh, I take that as a compliment. I, no, I, I meant it as one. Um, but uh, uh, so this week. 
uh, we're talking a about a a film that's actually uh, newer uh, comparatively to the other ones that we've discussed on the show. Uh, and this is a a little film that uh, is very much a, a neo slasher. Uh, it came after the big uh, slasher boom that we saw in the late 70s to the early 80s. And it was really kind of in tribute to it. And our guest, uh, Wiley Young, he was the one who recommended we do it. He he wanted to talk about it. Uh, and I was, uh, we and John Wayne and I were both happy to oblige. And this is a little movie called Hatchet. Yeah. Uh, now, Hatchet is uh, the story of um, a character named Victor Crowley who lives in the swamps in New Orleans. And it's uh, also about uh, this uh, tour boat of people that are going out uh, through the swamp at night where they really shouldn't to kind of just try to get a look at ghosts. And uh, it turns out that the legend of Victor Crowley is much more real than they expected. Uh, and that's pretty much uh, the, the, the gist of it. It's a pretty simple story. Uh, so I'm going to... Uh, Get in, we're going to talk about it a little more in depth, but first we're going to do a quick rundown of what everybody thought. Uh, so, Wiley e. Young, what what is your feeling about Hatchet? How did you feel about the movie? Hatchet is just an over-the-top great time. Like If you go into it not, not expecting anything serious that's going to you know leave you going, you know what? Uh, my feeling about humanity itself has changed. <laughs> If you're just if you're just in it to watch some, someone die in a hilariously impossible and bad way, it's fantastic. <laughs> awesome, awesome, John Wayne. How did you feel? Was this your first time watching it, John Wayne? This is my second time that I've watched okay. this. Yeah. Uh, the first time I watched this was on my laptop during uh, I don't know how many years ago, but during Hurricane Ike when it it I didn't have power at my house for 19 days straight. And so I was charging up my laptop at work and like I had Hatchet DVD and I like watched it on my Mac until it died. Watch and uh, I liked it uh, watching it again to on like a, you know, a nice system or whatever or just watching it again. I love this movie. This movie is badass in every way, shape and form as far as I'm concerned. Uh, yeah. I really enjoy it. Nice. Um, yeah, this is probably my 20th or 30th time watching this movie uh, when I watched it last night to prepare for the episode. Um, I absolutely uh, love Hatchet. I love it. Uh, mm. And I have for a long time. I actually uh, was beneficial to, I actually got to see this in the theater uh, when it came out um, in 2007. Um, uh, it, it, the, the thing about it is uh, Adam Green, the writer and director and the people who made the movie Although it takes place in New Orleans, uh, they're based in Massachusetts, and I was living in Massachusetts at the time. Uh, and Boston has a very big indie film scene, and so I was actually able to see this uh, in in the theater when it came out. And people, much like myself, were actually cheering, like just absolutely going bananas at some of the kills in it. Um, uh, so I have like a, a personal connection to it with that. But just even aside from that, it's so much fun and it's so great. Uh, so I absolutely love it as well. So let's get into, uh, Hatchet. Um, as I said, Hatchet came out in, in 2007, written and directed by Adam Green, starring, uh, Joel David Moore, Tamara Feldman, Dion Richmond, Mercedes McNabb, uh, Perry Shen, Jolet 
forever. I'm sorry. I can't even say the name. Uh, Joel Murray uh, and, and many more, including uh, small roles with uh, Tony Todd and Robert England and uh, Kane Hodder. So it does have that kind of like horror con connection as well, where you've got, you know, a couple of, uh, of, of the legends thrown in. Mm-hmm. Um, so right off the bat, start of the movie. Uh, we have Robert England uh, quite hilariously playing a Southerner. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, you know, he and his son are fishing out in the swamp and in, uh, in the uh, New Orleans area. Uh, and Robert England, of course, a great actor, but him as a Southerner is a little bit of a stretch. I felt uh, <laughs> you, you guys are, are, are from the South. How did you feel about that? <laughs> ah, typical, you know, caricature of a guy that would be in, from the South hunting alligators with the sun in the swamp in the middle of yeah. the night that he's not supposed to be at. I, it checks all the boxes. Uh, Wiley, what do you think, man? To be fair, I know like 10 of those guys. So, so there you go. <laughs> See? <laughs> Well, what are you, they what are you going to do? We're going to hunt alligators in the middle of the night in the part of the swamp we're not supposed to be in. Okay, well, you know, if you die, I'm blaming the blob. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'm blaming those darn kids. Yeah, those <laughs> darn <acid>. kids. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, I mean, for it, it's just great seeing Robert England, you know, and I just love how over the top, like hilariously abusive he is towards his son. You know, yeah, yeah. Dad, can I go pee? Pee off the boat like a man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah. yeah, he's a real caricature of like a a southern uh southern guy. Yeah, so it's it's very exaggerated, but it's fine because this movie is meant to be a, an exaggeration of everything in every step of the way. Uh yeah. it's it's intentionally funny uh as as much as it's intentionally like gruesome and everything. Um So yeah, it starts off with that and uh yeah, Robert England and his uh, and his son get uh, knocked off in, in a very gruesome fashion, uh, and that's where we first get a sense of what we're in for. You know, because we have such a beautifully gruesome kill right from the yeah. beginning. That's what I wrote. Uh, but the opening kill, badass, like from, yeah, from yeah. the get, you know, you're like, oh fuck yeah, dude, I'm balls deep in this bitch right now, raw. Yeah, like, but like, there's no burying the lead on this fucking thing, you know. No, no, it's awesome. Uh, yeah, they, they they get killed in a very gruesome manner, uh, and of course, uh, you know, as I mentioned, you know, like Victor Crowley is our slasher, and uh, he is this deformed madman that lives out in the swamp. Um, and he he and his father were wronged by these pranksters, uh, like t- you know, twenty years ago. And uh, uh, Kane Hodder plays the father in the flashbacks, and Kane Hodder plays Victor Crowley, the the monstrous slasher in the present. Uh, so we've got Kane in there as well. Uh, and then very early in the, in the film, we get uh, Tony Todd pops up in the role of Re- Reverend Zombie, who used to give tour guides, uh, you know, for these like, you know, ghost tours around the swamp, uh, but now doesn't anymore. And it's really funny why uh, I don't want to give it away, but uh, uh, so you have like, boom, boom, boom. You have this, like these, these three big stars that Adam Green, big in the in the you know horror uh, fan world anyway, uh, mm-hmm. that Adam Green brings in for the film, which is kind of cool. My wife uh, rewatched Tatchet with me in preparation for this, and she just said, "I wish Candyman would answer the door whenever I open, you know, not yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like 
Would you like a swamp tour? <laughs> <laughs> it's really, it's really the best uh, greeting you could ask ask for. Yeah. Um, the other thing, like that, you know, speaking of um, you know, in Massachusetts and everything, um, the uh, the lead guy uh, Ben, the character Ben, he's wearing a, a, a Newberry Comics shirt. Uh, it's the shirt he has with like the smiley face. That's the logo of Newberry Comics, which is a a, a company based in Massachusetts uh, and mm-hmm. England uh, where it was just like this great, like, I think it's still around, but um, I used to go there a lot when I was living in Boston because it was a comic books place, but they had just like DVDs and action figures and all sorts of stuff from like cult movies and horror and everything. And when hatchet came out, uh, they actually partnered with them. They like offered some financial backing and that's why the guy's wearing a, a, a Newberry comic shirt. Uh, oh, cool. But then when the movie came out, because like his shirt gets splattered with blood, they actually sold a shirt in the store that was like, you know, the same oh, shirt wow. but splattered with blood. Yeah. And I, I have I have that still. And, and also like they had like a pint glass that they had for Hatchet. I have both of those still uh, from when that came out because I was really in love with this right away. And I don't remember how I heard about it, but it was because I was in Boston. People were talking about it. And so I saw it right, like I said, right when it, when it came out. Uh, and I went absolutely berserk. I was like, this is, this is what the horror uh, genre has been needing in the early two thousands. It was like this return to crazy slasher gore, uh, and just, just a movie that was just fun, just absolute fun. Like, you know, we had this great void where like all that, all the slasher stuff disappeared at that time. And then Mm -hmm. we had hatchet. And then uh, right around the same time we had behind the mask, the rise of Leslie Vernon, came out as well and i love both of those movies so much and they're um, both connected because adam green right. i think did did a, a rise of leslie Vernon as well and they no he yeah. didn't he didn't actually no he didn't okay. make that movie but but he he does reference it in hatchet 2 yes that's that's what i was gonna get at one some guy starts talking about well yeah this guy leslie Vernon. they're like shut up yeah yeah <laughs> No, it came out right around the same time, but no, um, I, I got to look it up. I can't remember offhand the name of the guy uh, or the people that did uh, Behind the Mask, but uh, no, it was not Adam Green. Uh, but Adam Green did um, a show called Holliston, you know, featuring um, Odorous Youngress from uh, Gwar, uh, and the show was called Holliston. And Holliston right. And uh, Holliston was actually... Um, the town in, in Massachusetts that was just like two towns over from me. Like my girlfriend Heather at the time, she uh, 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 she lived in Holliston, so I was in Holliston all the time. So he was from that same area, and I met uh, Adam Green uh, uh, a year or two after. It was like right around the time that Hatchet Two came out. I met him at Rock and Shock, and and like it was funny because like the, you know, all these other like horror you know celebrities around whatever and charging for their autographs to take pictures. The dude was so cool, dude. He, he was just like, he was just giving away stuff for free. He was like, you want to take a picture? It's free. I've got posters here. You want one? It's free. You want me to sign it? It's free. Because uh, he just loved meeting his fans. Uh, and so I thought that was very, very cool of him. But I pulled it up while I was blabbing. Um, the director of uh, Behind the Mask is Scott Glosserman. Uh, did Behind the Mask. Yeah, so Green didn't have any involvement with that, but he gave like a nod to it. Uh in, in Hatchet 2. Yeah. 
Yeah. Hey, um, <clears throat> hey, Chris, I wanted to bring up like uh, because we recently had a whole discussion about metal and horror uh, yeah, on yeah. our on our anniversary show. You get a very rare thing in the opening credits of this movie, which is an entire Marilyn Manson song. They play mm-hmm. from start to finish. And we talked about how that's not in movies a lot anymore. But this, you right. get like, the, this is the new shit, whatever that song is. Like, they play it from top to bottom. And I, I was like, that's pretty fucking awesome. They kept all the little shots going on of Bourbon Street for them to, like, play yeah. this whole song. And I was like, that's rad. Okay, that's cool. I liked that. Yeah. Yeah, they, and they do that in the sequels, too. Like, Ministry's Just One Fix is the music that they use is for it? the opening of part two. And, yeah, they I continue ha- that trend. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen any of the sequels, but I'm definitely going to watch them now. So, oh well, yeah, that's that's much to discuss. Too. We're focusing on just the, the first, first movie I for know, this show, but, but I was yeah. just saying I'm going to watch them. No, no, well, well, good for you. Um, I also as saw well Hatchet should. as well. You should. I also saw Hatchet too in the theater because I was living in Massachusetts at the time. And what was cool about it is uh, Green couldn't get uh, a, a like a rating for it. And so he just released it unrated because he couldn't get the rating, you know, they couldn't get an R rating to get it passed. And so he just released it un- unrated and they managed to have it come out for like four or five days. And then like it got pulled because the MPAA went went nuts because he released it without a rating. Mm. Uh, but I actually got to see it like the weekend, that weekend, you know, and it, that was pretty fucking great. I was very happy about that. Okay. So uh, Becky to Hatchet. Uh, the movie is uh, the movie actually came out in 2006, which is the same year that um, uh, Behind the Mask of the Rise of Leslie Vernon came out. Uh, it came out on DVD in 2007. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, anyway, we, we meet our cast, which is uh, Ben, who is this kind of, you know, kind of dorky guy who is, uh, you know, just broken up with uh, his girlfriend and he's feeling glum about it. And so he, his buddies decide to you know, take him out to, to New Orleans and they're having a, having a good time, but he's not having the best time. Uh, and, you know, uh, so one, but he did hear from a friend of his that they have this really cool haunted tour out in the swamp. Uh, and so reluctantly, his, uh, his one friend, his, his best buddy, Marcus, is like, all right, fine, I'll go with you. And the other guys are like, fuck that, we're going to go see Hooters and, and whatever. Um, but so they go out on this uh, on this haunted boat tour uh, led by this guy uh, Sean, uh, and uh, you know there's a couple of other people on the boat with them, including uh, Jenna and uh, uh, this guy Doug, and uh, Misty is the is the other girl. Uh, so so Misty and Jenna are kind of they're kind of doing this girls gone wild uh, video type of thing, and Doug Beavers. Right, but I'm just explaining what it is that they're making. They're kind of just like, you know, Doug is like has like a handheld camera and it's like, okay, now just be flirty and pouty. And basically, no matter what they're doing, they're just like, woo, and they're pulling their boobs out. Yeah, and as John Wayne said, that's uh, they're they're referencing Bayou Beavers. Um, and a uh, f- funny thing about the the Misty character, uh, who is the blonde uh, slutty girl. Uh, she's played by actress Mercedes McNabb, and she was um, she was the good girl uh, in the Adams Family movies, as opposed to like Wendy Adams is like bad girl. You know, she was the one that was you know Wednesday Adams. 
Wednesday Adams. Yeah, yeah. That's what you I said. Saying. Wendy Adams. I'm sorry. I thought that... I meant to say Wednesday. Yes. Oh, okay. so, yes. Wednesday. If I didn't correct uh, you, the Corey Hotline would have exploded upon release of this episode. That's why I just had to say that. Yes. Yes. Well, uh, she uh, she was the real pretentious one. Uh, Amanda Buckman was the character's name. Uh, she was like the pretentious, so like super white, uh, you know, super goody goody girl. Uh, in the Adams Family's movies. So it's just funny seeing her now in this horror movie where she's just like showing her titties and everything. Uh, it's just kind of a, a fun little thing. Mm. Uh, and then, of course, uh, 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 Doug is played uh, by um, Murray. Uh, what's his name? Joel Murray? Joe Murray? Uh, it's basically, it's Bill Murray's brother uh, plays him. Uh, and so, yeah, Joel Murray uh, plays the character. Uh, of uh, Doug Shapiro, which it turns out is not even is the character's real name, but uh, mm -hmm. so just giving just giving people some cast. Uh, and then when they're um, you know on the boat, there's this couple um, that are uh, Jim and his wife Shannon, and they're just kind of like the you know the middle aged couple that are just like, oh, we're out on a boat. This is gonna from be the fun. Midwest, like this little right, lady, right. like they're they're awesome. I, I love them. Yeah, yeah, and Jim is played by character actor Richard Rail, uh, which m most people would know from um, Office Space, but he's in everything. Yeah, this awesome. Guy, yeah, he does a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so off they go on this boat, and they slowly get killed. Uh, to be fair, like I actually saw one of the Swamp Tours yesterday. <laughs> it looks exactly like that. It's got the big gaudy, you know, uh, sign on the side that says... So and so swamp tours has the Christmas lights on the boat, and they're over on the left. You'll see the mud bank where the pirate John Lafitte once set foot and then drowned. <laughs> that's almost yeah. like what the tour guide says. That those kind of fucking things, like that's exactly it. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's very funny. And yeah, then, that's like, exactly. You know, are those two guys over there fishing? Why, yes, ma'am. Those are two of our local flavor. <laughs> okay. uh, uh, fishing with the uh, Magnum PI fishing shirt, <laughs> and uh, and and I think they might, in fact, be also ghosts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then of course you've got like the character like Jim was just like, isn't that actually just the swamp gas that makes those crazy lights? No, no, they're ghosts. Yeah. yeah uh, no, and, no. That that's one of the things that I really like about Hatchet is because we get that opening kill uh, that that is great and that sets us up for it, but it takes a while to get to the next kill. It's about you know like half an hour at least uh, building up these characters going out in the swamp. The boat you know uh, the boat wrecks and starts to sink. They have to get out and walk it, and they're in the middle of nowhere. And uh, but. It, 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 it carries well because the, all the characters are so fun and funny. Like the humor lands really well. There's a lot of comedy in it. Um, yeah, so I completely I, worth it. Uh, yeah. Like you said, yeah. Uh, like, wouldn't you say that the characters make it worth it? Yeah, mm -hmm, absolutely. Uh, for sure. Especially because uh, it has my favorite slasher trope that, you know, from it was in every single one back from the boom, you know, you had crazy local who no one pays attention to don't mm -hmm. go in the swamp that yeah, guy no. was awesome yeah 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 that, that, that's the crazy piss <laughs> that's the crazy ralph yeah like yeah. you know at, at, you know as they, he was known in friday the 13th yeah they have their crazy ralph character telling him not to go in there um they're like yeah. that's cracker jack he drinks his own piss don't listen to him <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
Yeah, and then and like you were saying, yeah, we have like the uh you know, like all, all the trope characters. You've got uh you know, the one that's out for revenge uh in a way, and you've got the the, the you know, the slutty girls. Um and, sleazy uh, dude. Yeah, sleazy dude trying to get on get it on with the girls. Uh but uh it's but yeah, it's great. The char- and the characters are really funny and really a lot of fun. So they're not it's not just that they're checking off boxes when they're making this slasher movie. Like they're, they're, they're written, they're well-written characters. They're funny and interesting. And for, for caricatures of a lot of, uh, troperific, of a lot of tropes, they actually do have some depth to them. Everybody has their own motivations, why they're there, mm-hmm. which is, yeah. which is done well and shown with just their dialogue about why, mm-hmm. why they're there. And, the characters you think that would take charge of the situation don't, and the ones that you think would be completely useless do. It's yeah, good. yeah, you know, like watching it now, uh, you know, because I was in my late twenties when this this movie came out, late twenties, early thirties, uh, and um, watching it now, I was kind of watching it. I'm like, you know, like the the, the older couple, Jim and and Shannon. I was kind of like, I'm like, I'm kind of with them. Like I, I kind of totally get what they're doing because everyone else is just like, oh, this fucking sucks. This boat is sinking. What the fuck? And and Jim's like, let's just get the fuck out of the boat, you know. And then of course he gets he gets hurt in the process. Uh, and then when he and and Shannon are like walking through the woods, of course this is a slasher movie, so of course the younger people are right, being like, we shouldn't be out here, or whatever. And Shannon's like, we need to get my husband to help, you know, like like shut up with your stupid ghost stories. They're not helping. And in reality, like if this was a real situation, I would be like, yeah, I, I'd be with that. But of course, it's a movie, so we know that they're deadly wrong. Absolutely. I also really enjoy that a lot of uh, slasher movies don't take uh, into account the environment while Hatchet does. I love that the initial injury that gets them stuck is not caused by Victor Crowley. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not. Yeah. <clears throat> it's, it's And can we, you know, most slashers don't talk, but I really enjoy the fact that he's wandering around the swamp. Daddy. Yeah. 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 He's uh, Victor Crowley calls out for his daddy because um, uh, the way Victor Crowley died is, is he was kind of uh, uh, um, disfigured uh, as a child. And there was uh, this backstory where these kids, you know, were pulling a prank on Halloween, trying to see him. And it accidentally started fire to the, to the little, uh, little swamp shack that the Crowleys lived in and his father was trying to break down the door to get Victor Crowley out. And the, and the hatchet went into um, young Victor's face and killed him. And now, so his spirit is back from the dead and out for revenge. And yeah, he calls for his father. Uh, and you just, so you and hear him in the swamp, daddy. At least that's the, at least that's the story they, they tell, you know, that's the, the right. Crowley's story as it were. Yeah, but that I, is that is the legend, which changes over the course of the sequels in a way. Yeah, every it suddenly changes every single time, and new details are added. Like, oh, but we didn't know about this. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, so yeah, we wait like 30, 40 minutes before we get to the next kill, uh, the kill of like our main cast. But boy, howdy, is it worth it! Uh, Shannon gets killed and I'm just going to say, I'm going to put this on record. 
the, the Shannon's Shannon's death in Hatchet, the first Hatchet movie, is my f- probably my favorite kill in all of slasher history. I absolutely love it, and this is where Victor Crowley the, like runs out of his house. Is when we first see him. He runs out, grabs her by the mouth, and he pulls her bottom jaw and top jaw apart like a like a bear trap, and just unhinges it and just rips her head in half, and her tongue is flipping around. It's so insane and the and the special effects hold up so well mm. uh it's such an insane graphic kill it's it's my favorite it's my favorite kill in in slash movie history i love it yeah i took notes i noted that as well and and i watched it several times back and forth like it's like because it goes like matrix bullet time camera kind of because it goes mm-hmm. like it's like it's going around while he's doing that and he mm-hmm. you know it it makes like a half revolution before it comes all the way back around and he rips her apart it's just beautifully shot and excellently executed and mm-hmm. it, it, like you said it looks amazing and it was something to where i was like i have to see that again i have to watch that so cool yeah. i have to watch that again so yeah very cool very cool kill uh i can't remember which one it was uh my favorite from the first one i think is i think it's misty the the one who says that she graduated from nyu all the time oh yeah that's oh, the other yeah. one that's I, jenna that's yeah. Jenna. Jenna, jenna yeah, yeah she has she has a good kill too <laughs> and, and and speaking of like the acting and stuff, I really l- love the dynamic between these two girls, the 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 porno girls or whatever the yeah, girls. They, they hate each other. They yeah. have like they're just it's consistent the way that they both like insult each other. Their whole like thing is hilarious to me. I love I loved it that the, even in the course of like the worst danger, like fuck you slut. No, you lick my mom's ball or but you know like suck my my dad's dick after you bitch. Like yeah. that's where they are always like their dynamic was very fun i thought yeah 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 they are fun um i also liked that they have these um and, and we'll get back to uh jenna's kill in, in a second yeah uh, uh wiley uh but uh i i also like that there's a lot of little like easter egg little hidden things that they throw in you know like not just the casting of of you know robert england and stuff like that but uh, you know, where they, they they start to attack Victor Crowley and they shoot him, but like doesn't necessarily kill him. And the one guy's like, well, maybe we we've got to shoot him six times. We've got to shoot him six times, which, yeah. of course, is a throwback to Dr. Loomis saying that in, in the Halloween movies. I shot him six times and he's still alive. Uh, you know, so little things like that were just just fun little, uh, uh, you know, additions that they that they made. Um, but, yeah, uh, Jenna gets killed. And uh, it's it's a great one. Uh, you know, Wiley, you want to tell us how Jenna gets it? Since yeah. you love it. <laughs> yeah. So the first thing he does is he uh, Victor Crowley mangles her jaw and pulls her like lower jaw off, and she she's sitting there trying to crawl away, and her tongue's like flopping out, and she's making all these noises, and he gets distracted killing someone else with a shovel, and the mm-hmm. shovel's embedded in the ground and he goes as she's crawling, crawling away and picks her up and like impels her on the shovel handle yeah through her back and it just you know it makes me wince every time but i love it so much yeah yeah because he doesn't just go ahead john go ahead no it's super brutal because he starts with that belt sander and like sands yeah, off her belt. lower jaw yeah. Yeah, and when he yeah. does impale her, it's not just like some like what you expect to see, like a cut away. It's like and he like three times pushes yeah. her all the way down. Yeah. Yeah. And it's you hear it and you like 
feel the weight of him pushing it down. It's pretty cool. I also would like to add that I really enjoy the fact that he has a uh, gas-powered uh, belt sander. Yeah, you know, like, he, he's a deformed guy, spirit that lives in the woods, and somehow he got his hands on a gas-powered belt sander. Oh yeah, I, yeah. I, have... I accept it. I'll suspend my disbelief for that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Maybe he had a long extension cord. Who knows? I, I, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> oh no, it's it's gas. It's gas. Yeah. Who's uh, saying the power bill? <laughs> oh yeah. Well, of course it's gas because yeah. that comes into play later. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah. Rewatching all of them, I was like, man, he has a lot of like hardware for a guy who's supposed to be like a spirit that no one really, you know, knows yeah. about, uh, other than a legend. Yeah, yeah. I can just imagine walking to the Home Depot. Hello, one belt sender, please. Right. <laughs> gas powered, must gas be gas powered. <laughs> no, it's yeah, it's definitely true. Uh, but these movies are again are are. Uh, an homage to slashers and uh and funny so it doesn't really matter um you not know that no not at all and it, it you know there's definitely like a a lot of homages as i was saying with the shot him six times thing i mean again this is uh this is kane hodder playing uh victor crowley who and of course kane hodder also played jason the most times in the friday 13th movies and very famously in friday the 13th part seven uh, one of jason's greatest kills of all time. Uh, he, the girl in sleeping bag where he picks her up and he's beating her against the tree. Uh, and you know, that's kind of like the same type of thing with the, the, the handle of the shovel where like John Wayne said, where he's just like shoving her down, like one, two, three, he's just like shoving her further down. And every time as he wins a little bit more, it was the same thing with the, uh, especially with the uncut, uh, scene, um, from Friday 13th part seven, new blood where like he's beat, it repeatedly hits her against that tree. Whereas in the, uh, theatrical cut, you don't, he doesn't do it as many times. Yeah. Don't they kind of pay homage to that when, with that one kill where he rips the guy's arms off and then slaps his head against the, the, um, tomb, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. that, would you say like that, that, that's what I, I mean, that's what I wrote down. I was like, Oh, is that like a, thing to that that was kind of cool yeah 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 it's, it's, it kind of is um one of the things that becomes a um uh a, like a signature in these movies going into the sequels and i know john we haven't seen the sequels is uh is blood splattering on a tree that's awesome uh, that like you see that repeatedly throughout these movies i did want to say too that um watching this one you know retroactively having seen all the sequels uh crowley looks better in the first one Yes. than he does in the doesn't he like I, I don't know if it's like a like the same type of thing with um like freddie before uh part five where robert england was like you know i'll keep doing these movies but it takes too long to do this makeup and it's just and so that's why they did like a more of like cheap effects on on him in the in like you know part five and part six where his his makeup doesn't look as good he doesn't look like it looks cheap uh crowley looks better like in the close-ups he looks more frightening and more fucked up in this one and they use a lot more uh shadowed effects on his face that Mm -hmm. you know at first that give uh give the appearance more of a of a animal or a creature rather than a person yeah and all the sequels you just see him like straight up and you're you're like oh that's just jason without the mask yeah but he looks but but they do have several scenes in this in the first one where they they, they, we're looking at him straight up and it is dark but he the the makeup and everything looks so good it looks much more monstrous uh whereas in the sequels it, it's more rubbery and just doesn't look quite as as good 
pretty sure that each sequel had a lower budget than the one before it. So yeah. you, say, you you cut corners where you can, but that yeah. the first movie's Crowley effects are fantastic in the face. Yeah. Yeah, and they I really think are. they even have at one point. There's this shot I really liked where uh, I think it's right after he kills Shannon. He like turns and looks at him, and like one of his eyes is actually like weeping blood. It's really yeah, beautiful. yeah, yeah. It is. Yeah, you don't get that in the sequels as much. Um, uh, it it's definitely much more intense when you see him in this one. Yeah, <laughs> which is great because it comes off the. The his first appearance in this movie comes off the greatest joke in the movie. <laughs> yeah, you want to go ahead and tell us? Yeah, the, so they're sitting there. the The tour guide for the the swamp tour is he just pointed out some random you know boathouse they saw ten miles back and said that there's the Crowley house where they say, he tells them the Victor Crowley legend and. Then you have the character who's knowledgeable about Victor Crowley, like that ain't the legend. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. It is. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. And so then when they're actually stuck and the, this character's warning them about Victor Crowley, he's like, I already told you that was the house like 10 miles. And she's like, no, it's not. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that? Because that is. And they're yeah, like they're right, right the there. Porch. Yep, they're like right on the porch. Yeah, they're that close. It's so funny. That was yeah. like, ma- like uh, reminded me of Mad Men, was it? Where they're singing around the fire and they're like, oh, well, there's this house right there. Don't say it's right. like throw mm-hmm. the stone and like, you know, like, yeah, what the fuck, like yeah, like yeah, yeah he, like Richie friendly. throws the stone and like they doesn't even they just throws the stone and ha- happens to hit the house. They're that fucking close. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly, exactly. Um, it's near the end too. They do a, a, they do another a big Friday Thirteenth thing where it's like they, they they do the quote unquote like everything's gonna be okay, you know, moment. Uh, and they're on the water and it's Ben and uh, Mary Beth, and they're the they're the last ones left and they're on the boat. And like the music gets all la da 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 da, and it's, and it's very much mirrors Friday Thirteenth Part One, um, mm-hmm. where uh, Adrian King Alice is on the boat, and it's like everything seems to be over. And so you know, if you're a horror fan, you know, watching this, like shit ain't over. You know, oh, and dude, you, like that music it. starts, and you're like, oh god, it's there's something. Like, what is it? You can't play yeah. music like that on a sweet little boat ride at the end. What's happening? Like, no, you, you know, know exactly. you're, you're, you know it's coming. Yeah, it's awesome. while you're monologuing about <clears throat> being grateful to be alive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thanks for sticking with me back there. Like, yep, all that yep. shit. Yeah. yeah, it's it's too perfect. It's just trope heaven, and 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 it's played for that on purpose. Uh, and then of course. Uh, Crowley shows up again and uh, uh, Mary Beth goes overboard and um, you know, there's this, there's like a fun little twist uh, to it with what you think is about to happen. Uh, so I don't want to give all of that away for those that you may not have seen it. But um, what I do like, would like to say is the ending of this movie rules. Mm-hmm. I love the way it ends, like the way it's shot, the way it's done um, because Mary Beth gets back to the boat and I won't even want to get into what happens with Ben and everything because it don't want to spoil it. But like she gets back to the boat and there's Victor Crowley covered in blood screaming in her face and she screams and he screams and they're just screaming in each other's face and that just cuts to black and it's just over. And it's credits. It's yeah. awesome. It's awesome. It's just like, it, and then it's over. I, I absolutely love that. I love the bluntness of it, of just like, the movie is a big dedication to carnage and craziness of slasher movies. And it just ends on that. Mm-hmm. How yeah, do you guys was, feel? 
I loved that. I loved that ending. I thought it was badass. That that's exactly that you, you don't feel like sopranoed by it or anything. You're like, yeah, this was cool. You know, you're like, you're good with it. So you're, you're, yeah. you feel full. Uh, you gag push away from the table with this. Yeah. I feel like people, you know, who grew up watching like all these movies, I feel like it'll be nostalgic for them. You know, that, that that's the whole point of this movie is it takes you, it takes you back to when you were a kid watching those things for the first time and you're seeing all this again. You're like, oh man, that's a reference to this. Oh, this is a reference to this. This is so over the top and I love it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, and go ahead. I would say what, and what I love about it is that when they decide to continue the franchise, that you know, usually you have you know Friday the Thirteenth. They're like you know, an indeterminate amount of years have passed since Jason took Manhattan, but <laughs> now we're yes. now we're wherever. And in this, each sequel is a sequential night. So Hatchet Two takes place the next day, and Hatchet mm-hmm. Three is the next day. And oh no, shit. Yeah, that's and, cool. Uh, I didn't know that. And yeah. stuff that happens in Hatchet One affects stuff that happens in Hatchet Three, and it's great. Yeah, uh, the, yeah. Hatchet Two, much like Halloween Two, it picks up the second after Hatchet One. It picks up immediately. Right like the movie, the movie starts with Victor Collier going bah! like screaming, like he does. You know. Yeah. Uh, and the, and then uh, the uh, the character of Mary Beth, who's played by Tamara Feldman in the first one is uh, uh, played by Daniel Harris, Scream Queen Daniel Harris, in part two and three. Uh, so Whoa, she, they swapped her out. They did a Dick York, did. Dick Sargent on us, huh? They yeah. did, they did. They did uh, you know, a little a little swaparoo. Um, and so she she plays Mary Beth in the, in the sequels. Uh, and yeah, like he, uh, Adam Green ends up pulling in, because, uh, well, he directs the second one. He doesn't direct the third one. And then he directs the fourth one, uh, and he he pulls in uh, over over the course of the series. He pulls in more people from the horror genre, uh, like uh, Caroline Williams from Texas Chainsaw Two, and he pulls in um, he pulls in uh, Zach Galifianakis of of Gremlins and Waxwork. Like he he pulls in all these. Even in part two, like I will say, like to me, the, these movies as as much as I as I like them as a whole, I think they get worse and worse as they go i really think like i like each one in the order that they were released like hatchet i like the best hatchet two i like second best and so on well um, hatchet three has a tonal shift from the other very much yeah from the other two hatchet one and two are both you know glorious throwbacks like where hatchet two the kills are bigger and more you know yeah. fun and uh, slightly lower budget where hatchet three they treat it all seriously and they yeah they do and it's also it feels more like like predator or something because it's like these people are hunting him and so it's like these guys and uh like like come out there with like machine guns so it's like predator or or aliens where it's like this team hunting him with machine guns and it's a very different tone like you said where it's not doesn't even feel like a slasher movie yeah hatchet three because it's it's like the I think they said it's the uh, SWAT team, local SWAT team, like the whole the whole Jefferson County like Parish Police Department, basically versus Victor Crowley. Yeah, yeah. So it's a total different feel. Two, I think I think Hatchet Two is pretty good, uh, but it it uh, I I just I didn't like the characters as much as I like them in the first one. They're not focused on as much. You don't get as much character depth for a no. lot of them. 
No, not at all. They they feel like they feel like they're just there to be killed, and uh, they're not really interesting. Uh, and although we do get um, Daniel Harris, which was very much beloved, uh, you know, by horror fans, and uh, Tony Todd, and Tony Todd, yep. Um, but I, but but I was going to say that uh, like Daniel Harris, even though she's in like the whole movie, she's basically just like. Aah! like through the everything she says she's kind of like choking like nearly crying through the entire movie and then tony todd uh plays a much bigger role in this one than he did in the first one um but like the the they start to do like like you had mentioned earlier wiley of um the uh the the backstory they start to like add more to it and it gets more convoluted uh and uh, what i was getting to is um tom holland like the the, the writer director he he stars in it uh and uh, talk about miscasting it's like i get the whole stunt casting with like you know oh he's a horror legend but man he, he can't act at all uh he's just really belongs behind the camera he really just he can't he's just like why is he even in this uh so uh i think it it, it lacks a little bit in that regard and i remember when um uh when hatchet 2 came out and it was really like hated by a lot of people uh, like rue morgue like said it was like the worst movie of the year and everything. Cause it was wow. such a let letdown after the first one. I didn't, I didn't dislike it, but I, but like I can see where, where people were going with that because I too, like particularly watching it retroactively, watching it again, I'm like, ah, oh, this just, this just doesn't pop like the first one. Mm. What, uh, for hatchet two there, uh, there was a moment when I was watching it, uh, you know, you see Tom Holland, you see Tony Todd and you see all these other uh, horror royalty, but there was like one particular actor that I had totally forgotten who's gotten sort of, you know, mainstream su success in the sitcom Superstore. And that would be Colton Dunn who plays Garrett in Superstore. And mm. I was recently rewatching it. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> Never expected to see him in a horror movie, and I'd forgotten he was in it. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I don't know Superstore. So. Yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about right now. It, it's a yeah. it's a sitcom like it's like The Office. If The Office was at Walmart, it's ah uh, okay. It's it's good. he plays the uh, the guy who like makes announcements and you know like hates everything. He's like you know someone's left their baby at the at the checkout, and we don't sell those, so please come and get. <laughs> uh yeah yeah um cool. so yeah uh yeah hatchet is is great part two i like it but i don't necessarily love it as much and then the ones that followed i was less interested in um there is but, one strength hatchet two has over hatchet one mm, what's that we get the backstory of cracker jack the guy who told him not to that's go true. in the first place that's true who drinks I, his own piss yeah we do get to see more of him absolutely like right away too we get to see him yeah um no it's still fun i still like hatchet too but like those two are the only ones out of the series that i own uh you know i saw hatchet three and i saw hatchet four victor crowley and i was really really pumped about victor crowley the, the fourth one because it was like it's oh it's back and maybe they're gonna do something different and it just felt so phoned in and felt so empty uh i got i got nothing from it um mm -hmm. but anyway uh yeah, and Adam Green went on to do a lot of other stuff. You know, he he did uh, you know Frozen and a, you know, a bunch of other horror films, uh, but none of them really kicked and really struck me the way Hatchet did. 
But you know they got Hatchet Five coming out. Crowley gets a speedboat. <laughs> I'm sure he has one. I mean, with all those other tools, you know. Absolutely, you know. Now he like but you know boats around on the swamp or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah whoever gets in his path. It's been under this yeah. tarp the whole time, the whole series. <laughs> you didn't know. <clears throat> and it is funny that like because we mentioned that that this came out in 2006, the same time that uh, Behind the Mask came out, and I would have. Um, I would have loved for there to be some uh, Leslie Vernon uh, sequels. And unfortunately that just hasn't happened yet. They've tried, but they just couldn't get the funding for it. Um, but yeah, I would have much preferred to have another Leslie Vernon than to have four Victor Crowley's actually, uh, because I think hatchet one was kind of perfect. It's like lightning a bottle and they just haven't been able to recapture it fully, even though I like part two and enjoy things about it. Um, but anyway, Let's uh, let's go ahead and give it star rating uh, for just the first movie, not for the whole franchise. Uh, so, uh, Wiley, what's your rating for Hatchet? Four out of five. Four out of five. All yep. right. Yeah. Do you uh, do you want to elaborate uh, elaborate any on why you would rate it that? Absolutely, because it Hatchet, unlike a lot of movies, knows what it's here for, knows what it's about, and doesn't try to pretend it's anything that it's not it's there to it's there to entertain you it's the it's there to make you for horror fans it's there for you to look nostalgically back on what's come before and just have fun with it and sometimes you just want want that in what what you watch you don't want to for your horror you don't want to be scared or grossed out you want to be like (laughs) that was awesome Mm -hmm. (laughs) cool john wayne what's your star rating well, we've talked um, a- about a lot of these movies that we've been doing, uh, just like like Wiley says, set, said it, it it knows what it's there for. <clears throat> we've talked about a lot of things these movies have done or tried to do. Everything this movie tries to do, it does. It pulls it off, I think, in my opinion, majestically. You, the characters have something where you feel something about it. The story is there. It, it all, it's not taking itself too seriously at all. Not at all. No, not I, at all. I mean, so it's just like, it is a lot of fun. So I am, I give this one a five out of five stars. Five out of five. Very nice. Very yeah. nice. Put it on the, the golden wall of uh, fame. If, depending yeah, on what, yeah. Depending on what your rating <laughs> is, dude. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, well, as I said at the start of this, this is I mean, I've seen this movie many, many, many times, but it had been uh, several years since I've watched the the first one. Uh, so it was nice to revisit it. And I was curious to see like how I would feel about it going back to it. Uh, and I and my uh, initial impression of it that I had back then stays uh, 100% the same. Um, I, I think it's a fantastic movie. I think it's funny and, and gory, and it's a slasher movie that that has like a tongue in cheek aspect to it. But unlike a movie like scream where like scream is very much a nod and a joke on slasher movies, scream doesn't deliver in the crazy gore and everything like that. Whereas hatchet does. Um, so I, I actually gave it bonus points for that. Uh, so yeah, I absolutely fucking love hatchet and I would give it five out of five stars. Absolutely. Woo. Handholding club. Five stars. Five. Mm-hmm so uh yeah uh all all the praise in the world so uh for those of you listening if you for some reason haven't seen hatchet you need to check out hatchet uh and you know check out the check out the sequels you know let let us know what you think of those as well 
And the first three are free on Prime if you have mm. the membership to it. Yeah. Nice. That's good to know. Yeah. So you can check them out now. Uh, yeah. And like based, based on that mouth opening kill alone, like if they would have taken that and sandwiched it between like an hour of Schindler's List and then another hour of Schindler's <laughs> List, like I would have still given it four out of five just based on that alone. I mean, that that's I watched that so many times. It was awesome. No, Schindler's it's... List or the the kill? <laughs> <laughs> ah, can't we do both? Dude, smack, uh, quick offshoot, just because I haven't mentioned Nick enough in this episode. Nick put on uh, Schindler's List in the hotel to dehornify himself, he said. This it was fucking awesome. And I was like, I don't want to watch this, dude. He had to watch like an hour and a half of it. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> and that's what the people come here for. That kind of yeah. color commentary you can always expect from me. Yep. All right, guys. Well, I, I want to thank our guest, uh, Wiley Young. Uh, thanks for coming on our show, man. We really appreciate having you. Oh, thank yeah. you guys for having me. It was a whole ton of fun. Awesome. Awesome. Where can, the, where can the people find you out there, dude? What's oh, going down? Well, I've got uh, my, my Facebook you can interact with me on, which is Wiley Young, and uh, you can interact with me on Twitter, which is my handle's Texas Cthulhu, you know, because I own that Texas identity, I guess. And yeah. I've got a blog that I call Adventures in Absurdity that I update every once in a while with goings on and just strange things that happen in my life. And Everything's on all all my books are on Amazon. So, you know, and at Death's Head Press's new website where you can buy directly, which helps the little old publisher and the little old author like me instead mm-hmm. of Jeff Bezos. Yep. Very cool, dude. Check everyone check Wiley out, please. Um and we're gonna and when, like when are oh, I'm sorry. I was just gonna say when are we gonna see? Are you gonna be at uh, Scares the Care? Yeah, I'll see you at Scares the Care. Awesome. Nice. So nice, everybody, dude. you can come out and see Wiley Young at Scares That Care in Williamsburg, Virginia at the end of July. Uh, and John Wayne and I will be there as well. Yay! <laughs> ah! <laughs> Keep it down in there! I am stomachal! All right. <laughs> I All think, right. I think we should stop. <laughs> All right. <laughs> think... That's the sh- that's the show. Thanks, Wiley. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys. Later. Later. Mm-hmm.